Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts do you love selena like really love whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. KFI AM640. You're listening to the John and Ken Show on demand on the iHeartRadio app. We are now releasing not just murderers, but double murderers. We are releasing, in this case, double murderers who were originally sentenced to life without parole. Actually, two life sentences without parole. Yeah, we have a group of four. Uh, one of them's name is Jeffrey Allen Maria. That's the person we're going to talk about because he's been released. His uh, co-murderers were Ronald Anderson and uh, Darren Lee and Marty Spears, and they ambushed, tortured, raped, and brutally killed a couple by the name of Philip and Kathy Ranzo at their home in Modesto decades ago. And uh, we are now at the point where, as John just said, we are releasing murderers, even if they do get life sentences without parole. Uh, they got resentenced in the 80s for two consecutive life sentences with the possibility of parole. And, of so, course, it's very fashionable now in California to say, well, you know, they were teenagers. How do you get two consecutive sentences with, even if you have parole, after you've been paroled from the first, sec first sentence, you have to do the second one? Well, you can talk to the special prosecutor who's going to join us now. Beth DeJong has been working with the family of this couple, the Ranzos, for decades now. 
to try to keep all four of these killers in prison. But now we do have one that's been released because it's it's a new day in California. Murderers, too, shall go free. Uh, Beth, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming Thank on. Thank you. What kind of special prosecutor are you? Well, actually, I was a prosecutor for 25 years and then I went to county council office and then returned part time. So I'm actually doing special assignments with the DA's office. Uh, I think first thing is we ought to lay out the crime. What did these four do? And and Jeffrey Maria specifically, since he's the first one out. Sure. Uh, June 1979, these four crime partners had done a sort of a uh, dress rehearsal the night before and um, did a home invasion robbery on another individual in a home, uh, brutally hog tying and um, hitting one of the, or the home, the, uh, the homeowner over the head with a gun. Um, Jeffrey Maria, who was one of those crime partners, did not attend that event, but knew all about it and got the update from his crime partners. The next day, they then planned an ambush on the Ranzo family where they faked or feigned running out of gas. And they approached the front door of their home, uh, Philip and Kathy Ranzo, and they had a 10-year-old son, Mark, uh, knocked on the door and asked if they could use a phone to uh, get some help because they ran out of gas. Mr. Ranzo said their phone wasn't working because they were having difficulty in that new development that day. So uh, he actually retreated Mr. Ranzo to the garage, got a gas can for these individuals. And when he was giving him the gas can, that's when uh, Jeffrey Maria and Marty Spears overtook him with guns, held him at gunpoint, took him to the garage, uh, beat him with a bat that the 10-year-old was playing baseball with that day, earlier in the day. Um, hogtied him, pickaxed his eyes. Oh. Uh, then, then three other, three, the two of the other crime partners, Marty Spears, who we'll just call him the monster, um, and Darren Lee, went into the house um, and then found Mrs. Ranzo there, dragged her upstairs, raped her brutally, um, and killed her. Uh, also pickaxing her eyes and um, <sighs> killing her there, and then attaching her to the toilet in the bathroom upstairs. They robbed the house. They ran out to the uh, lookout, Ronald Anderson. Jeffrey Maria says he never went inside. However, um, it's inconsistent with statements that he made to his friends and family. Um, He did run out. Jeffrey Maria did run out of the house with some money and some jewelry and then left the scene. Then describing it to friends as the worst crime scene he'd ever seen. Uh, So how do you know that unless you were actually inside? Um, So, yeah, that's that's what happened. And they were how old? Uh, ranging 17, 18. Yeah, Jeffrey Maria was 17. And in California, he is considered a youthful offender because he did it before his brain was fully developed. And now in California, that's age 26. Now, what happened in the 1980s that they got resentenced to these two consecutive life sentences with the possibility of parole? Right. That was a Rose Bird decision, if you know anything about California oh, politics. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she was the uh, yeah. justice who got recalled. Yes. Aye. Yeah. So, yeah. So as, as we've gone through from 1979 to the present, we have, of course, needed to address crime reform and needed new ideas because things weren't working. But releasing murderers such as these uh, is definitely not the answer. California has uh, really lost its sense the one thing i didn't understand i mentioned it at the beginning is how do you get two consecutive life sentences with possibility of parole if he got paroled 
how did he, why isn't he not serving his second consecutive life sentence? Exactly. It's nonsense. It, it, it's not common sense. It's not how it's applied. It should be phrased as concurrent, right? Because right. Concurrent means, yeah, right. at the same time. <laughs> right. right. But no, because he was a youthful offender and because he's now eligible, eligible for elder parole, because he's over 60, um, the, uh, the court or the parole board found that he was no longer an unreasonable risk of danger to the community. Yeah. You said the Ranzos had had a 10-year-old son home at the time, or? Oh, actually, they were all home, including, so Mr. and Mrs. Ranzo and Mark were home, along with Mark's cousin, Mike, and uh, Grandma, who lived down the street, was over, too. And then Mark and Mike decided to go spend the night at Grandma's house rather than stay at home. So they walked down the street, and those two children actually testified at the hearings because they could identify this uh vehicle that they were driving in the four crime partners because it was making a lot of noise and repeatedly going around the street sort of uh, staking the joint i, I so, can't imagine anything more horrible for a child to witness right this is like luckily, the worst stories yeah continue sorry yeah luckily they didn't you know they weren't eyewitnesses to the murder but at hearings all crime partners have said if 10 year old mark was present at the home or mike the cousin they would have been dead too uh, so they, now he's been denied parole before, but this time I guess Newsom passed, huh? Right. Actually, in 2015, 17, and 18, he was granted parole, and I fought and appeared at the Capitol steps and had press releases and actually emailed on the daily to the governor, uh, then Jerry Brown, and Jerry Brown reversed it each time. Uh, this time, Governor Newsom failed us. Uh, and in fact, the news channel that covered it the day that the en banc decision decided to let him out, uh, Channel 13 up here in Sacramento sort of had their headline saying the governor would not reverse it, refused to reverse the decision. And the governor's office actually reached out to Channel 13 and asked them to rescind that headline. But it's truthful. It's truthful. They just don't want bad press. But it's absolutely truthful. Well, he he did... He did uh, block the. Yes, he did allow the parole to take place. Exactly, he did That's not reverse it. He, he had did the power, not reverse he had the power it. to do it. Right, he had the power wow. to do it, and he failed to do it. And you know, it's That's... elections are brewing. That's that's just disgusting. It's just a yeah. whole thing from beginning to end. Is so I disgusting. take it that the Ranzo family that you're still representing are just devastated by this, huh? Right, and you know what. We have three other crime partners we need to worry about. And, you know, the number one monster, like I mentioned before, was Marty Spears. And the, and the day that he gets a parole date, you know, we'll be back at the Capitol. But I'm sure that's coming. I'm now, really sure that's coming. This news was sprung on the Ranzo family with, with very short notice. Uh, they got a call on Tuesday, August 29th, that Maria would be released on September 4th. Right. Well, actually, we attended the en banc hearing the week before, um, and they, the decision was made that day. It was released uh, online about uh, three to four hours after the hearing. And the en banc hearing is more or less all the commissioners that, that handle the parole hearings, and they made a, a group decision. That's all yeah. that Newsom did was defer it to that group. You know, violent psychopaths, their brains never change. Pickaxes right. in the eyes. Yeah, I mean, it was brutal. I mean, this this is this is as ugly as the Manson killings. Yeah, I you know I I handled homicide trials and homicide cases for years, 
And I appeared at many of these LIFER hearings on cases that I didn't handle at trial, and none of them matched the level of heinousness, the level of um, just true evil. Well, Beth, thanks for coming on. Appreciate your hard work. Sorry that uh, it failed with the first of these four killers, but hopefully you'll have more success keeping the other three in in prison. And let us know if the other three uh, come up for an immediate parole. Okay, great. And then maybe we can have a little more press time. Thank you. Yeah. As soon as you find out, call us. All right. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Sure. That's Special Prosecutor Beth DeJong, who has been fighting alongside uh, the Ranzo family, is their name from Modesto. Philip and Kathy Ranzo were murdered in 1979 by a gang of four, like 17-year-olds. And the first of those four has been released. Jeffrey Allen Maria was released back on September 4th after a years-long parole battle. But uh, you see the details of this story. They don't belong free ever. Newsom is a psychotic fraud. Yeah. I, how how could he how how could he let this guy out? Yeah. Well, Newsom, like I'm not going to say yes to his release. I'm not going to say no. I'm just going to stand aside. Newsom, so. well, he's saying yes. He is there is no yes. standing aside. It's either yes or no. Either the guy's free or he's still in prison. If he's free, Newsom said yes. Newsom's got a wife and four kids. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I don't understand this psychotic thinking. And it, it the, their only purpose is to empty prisons. This nonsense about a kid's brain not being fully formed till 26. Well, of course, that's true. That's true for all of us. But an extremely tiny fraction act psychotically. A psychotic brain is constructed differently. It It's not because it's a young brain. It's because it's a psychotic brain. Otherwise, we would have all been running around killing people when we were 17. And we're not all running around doing it. And if this guy had made it to 26 and, and, and was still free, he would have psychotically murdered somebody at 26. It's the structure of the brain, not the age of the brain. Well, we're just talking about Newsom, who's decided God. to uh, allow a murderer to be paroled. And Brutal murder. I mean, pickaxes to the eyes. Yeah, pickaxes I don't care if you're 17. That's evil. That is somebody that should never be free. When I was first going, can you imagine the kind of animalistic, psychotic violence? And there's four of them, and they had a rehearsal the night before, and attacked uh, attacked other people. And 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 I I'm I'm just astonished. And Newsom, does he read these cases? Does he look at them? And he's sitting there with his wife and his kids, who, by the way, have tremendous taxpayer-paid protection, right? They're safe. They're not going to. They're not going to open the door to uh, uh, a bunch of teenagers pretending to be out of gas. He is really the Sick. most transparent plastic politician. Here's a couple of other things to tell you about. He's been going everywhere to try to raise his profile. John mentioned he was on 60 Minutes because apparently he's not the choice of that many Democrats should Biden step aside for the nomination. He's going to be at the Republican presidential debate on Wednesday night in Simi Valley, sticking his beak in there. Now, Friday night, see, positioning himself, this is what this is all about. Friday night, the dead news time, right? Newsom announced he was vetoing a transgender bill. Uh-oh. You see, remember when COVID-19 broke out in 2020? The legislators, the Democrats in Sacramento, went nuts writing all sorts of COVID bills. Remember that? Vaccine mandates. Mm-hmm. Same yeah. thing happened like a year later when we got into the whole trans wars debates. They started writing up all these transgender protection bills. One of the ones they came up with was kind of odd. Would have allowed a judge to consider in a custody battle between parents 
whether or not a parent is or is not siding with a child who identifies as another gender. In a the divorce bill would case. make gender affirmation a, car- a factor. Among, right. Yes, in a divorce case. So if you, if said, you have yes. a son who suddenly says he's a girl, then you, as the soon-to-be-divorced parent, have to say, well, I, I, I affirm my son's uh, new gender. Well, what if you don't? What if you think uh, that, that it's, it, that's not the case? That this is some kind of, you know, like psychological issue going on because there's so much pressure at schools and from peers, for example. Because like people go, that's not true. Yes, it's true. Remember the poll that we did from the Ivy League schools a few months ago? And suddenly 38% of Brown University students say they're gay or lesbian or bisexual or transgender. Well, where, how, how do you get 38%? of college kids at one school and it was similar at the other ivy leagues and many of the kids admitted that they just say it in order to go along with the crowd because you get social status out of that so the as bill, a, da- a dad i'm supposed to affirm that the bill would have required judges to prioritize whether a parent affirms their child's gender identity over other factors how does the judge Newsom know what the kid vetoed is? this bill and he released that news late on a Friday night, hoping it would be under the radar. Because while he thinks it's the right thing to do if he's running for president, it's not the right thing to do based on all the Democrats that, that breathe down his neck in Sacramento. In an Internet world, is anything under the radar? Because the activist groups are going to be all over that Monday morning anyway. Oh, they're over it on Saturday. I was reading stuff. Yeah, so. I don't I don't think that that works anymore. That's outdated from uh, pre-Internet uh, news cycles. I know. Well, like I told you, he acts like the old plastic, transparent politician from the book of uh, yesterday that uh, this is what I should do in order to have the best situation. Try to release the news in a quieter news cycle time. Friday night. Okay, that's when I'll announce the veto of the bill, because this isn't going to go over well with my uh, progressive left friends in Sacramento and in the Democrat Party. But if you're trying to position yourself as a presidential candidate, you don't really want your signing of this bill to be stuck to you either because that may not work well with uh, most of America. No, you know, it's not a judge's business what parents think of their children uh, when it when it comes to these matters. That's not a judge's business. You can't force me to say I affirm. If I don't affirm, then I don't affirm. And there, 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 there's a there, there, this this is not settled science by any mean what's what's going on. Because I know that 38% of the kids in at Brown are not gay or lesbian or transgender or whatever other um, uh, letter of the alphabet it represents. I know that. No, well, there's so many letters know- now, maybe. Yeah. Because there's so many categories. I mean, this, is gone, this has become absurd. And the thing is, you're forced to have an opinion, and you're forced to have an opinion that agrees with whatever the craziest voices are in social media. And everybody's going to stand up and say no. No. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, 
the warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it would have been Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Yeah, so in a weekend where the top movies were The Nun 2... <laughs> And the Expendables 4, we have finally a tentative deal in the writer's strike. The writers have been on strike since May 2nd, and it was announced last night that they had reached agreement, the Writers Guild of America, with the major Hollywood studios and some sort of a three-year deal that could end the strike. And, of course, a lot of it was dealing with the better pay for the streaming shows and, of course, always looming in the background, Artificial intelligence. But no details on what uh, they agreed to. Well, they haven't released the details, but I guess if they're going to have the members vote on this, they're going to have to give them the details. Yeah. There's 11,550 uh, guild members, film and television writer members, who are going to have to see the details in order to say, you know, thumbs up or thumbs down. Although they believe that if this was good enough for the negotiating team, it's probably going to be good enough for them. Uh, I, I, and we knew this last week because the top studio executives started to go to the to the negotiations. That means it had to be near an end, otherwise they'd be wasting their time, and they wouldn't they wouldn't participate. So they had they had to concede a yeah. lot there. But we, we don't know the details and how good it is for the writers. I'm not so sure I would know how to judge that myself. I, I anyway, I'm kind of I'm not really. I mean, the, the money stuff. It's it's like it's not my money, so I don't I don't really care, and I don't watch much television anyway. So. Yeah. But but I, I am curious about the artificial intelligence. Like mm. what what are they going to be permitted to do? And I uh, see, what right. what well, is going to be what, the limits on what they can use? Right. And, yeah. Right. Right. Because it it makes sense to to have an algorithm produce a script since you know there's been so much written for TV and movies over the decades. Yeah. That just stick it all on a computer and kind of come up with a and, maybe a slightly different slant on a story. And there, but but it would only be a slightly different slant. I mean, I don't think. There can possibly be many new stories to tell. I mean, after 100 years of movies and, what, like 70 years of television? 
what yeah. what what is because you know life is just life right humans are humans right. so what what's the story that hasn't been written uh, unless you do futuristic things but even that they, they've already made thousands and thousands of uh, tv shows and movies about futuristic imaginary things so the actors are next. Uh, you know, their deal is uh, also on the table, but most expect since the writers got something solved, you know, the actors can't be far behind. I always like when, when people say, oh, everything's just a remake, it's a sequel. It's, oh, well, you come up with something. <laughs> What's your idea? What's your big movie idea? Sometimes just for amusement, you can, you know, flip on the guide on your TV and just start looking at the plot summaries of movies and you, you go like wow someone really thought of that idea how ridiculous wow. a lot of it's the same and you know this you went to uh, way too many movies everything gets predictable you know exactly what moment each plot twist is going to happen yeah and you but, know how it's going to end sometimes people like that i mean they don't like oh. movies to be too I mean, because I've gone to movies that are so cryptic and weird that I, if I have trouble following it, it does frustrate me. I could easily say, well, this doesn't come from the script factory, but right. it sometimes would drive me crazy because it's like, I, I'm not even sure what's going on here. Too many characters, too much being too dense. I, I Whereas, know. Yes, other movies are so simple and sad. And <clears throat> I know somebody who writes movies for those uh, like women's cable channels. Lifetime. Right. Yeah, I don't want to say specifically. I don't want to get the guy... <laughs> oh, identifying okay. him, right, right. But he he writes those those kinds of movies, and he said they're meant for housewives while they're raising the kids and doing laundry. So he has the plot points, and all the movies are similar in terms of their rhythm, right? Right. Uh, and he has the plot points at at certain moments to like match the cycle of a washing machine and the cycle of a dryer. <laughs> right? So he knows that, okay, here's a good point to stop. And uh, the lady's going to get up and go take the washer out of the washer and put it in the dryer and go back to the movie. And let's say another 40 minutes goes by. Okay. You can do a plot stop here, go, go to the dryer and you don't miss anything. And the movie's written in a way. So even if you're walking in and out of the room, you know exactly where the movie is because it's like, you know, 20 other movies you've seen in the last couple of months. Right. Everybody so, knows those kind of movies. Yeah. Now you barely have to, I can be working on something while I'm watching this right. because I know exactly where this is and, going. And, and it, it's comfort for people and it's just having companions. It, it's not meant as Academy Award winning material. It's just meant something familiar, something rhythmic, you know, women in peril, that kind of thing, family stories. Right. And it makes you make a good living. Well, we're looking at a story in the Daily Mail which apparently did a survey based on a number of factors to determine what are the worst tourist spots in the entire world. Uh, the factors, of course, included uh, safety, tourist safety, <laughs> whether or not the, the actual uh, tourist attraction in general offered anything that was uh, stimulating or interesting, um, the one that came out the worst in the entire world, world according <laughs> to this survey. World, yes, not <laughs> U.S. And I'm looking at the Great Wall of China on this list. In fact, I've been to a number of these uh, locations. But the one that was picked as the worst in the world was the Hollywood Walk of Fame. 
How about that? <laughs> Topping the list of the least popular landmarks from around the world. There were more than 2,700 plaques lining the sidewalk on the boulevard to commemorate some of the biggest names in the industry, but most visitors called the whole thing average. They looked at a bunch of review sites to come up to right. compile this. Yeah. And well, yeah. it only got a 3.4 rating out of 10. One tourist wrote, it's grim. There's grubby stars on a pavement. The area is awful. Aggressive street sellers. Others half-dressed with trousers around their knees, mm. shouting and swearing at passersby. Famous stars are surrounded by mobile burger stands. Save your time and give this a miss. I walked on a short stretch of Hollywood recently. It is really disgusting. Hollywood Boulevard, yeah. where, where, these, where these stars are. It's really awful. It's I just, tell people when they visit me, you want to go there, go there. But you're going to be probably underwhelmed. It's so dirty. I'm, I mean, it, it is grimy. Like oh, the, it's, the it's actual stars, it's, it's packed. It's grimy. There are so many weirdos. You know, there's those 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 pedophiles wearing those those strange costumes. Not to mention the drug addicts, the mental patients, the homeless. Just it it is such a frightening environment. I can't think of anything less I'd rather do than walk down the Hollywood Walk of Fame. I can't think of a place that is more disgusting. As a tourist destination, and it didn't yeah. used to be that way. It wasn't that way when when I when I moved here. But I'm thinking, what kind of city with this one of a kind, internationally famous tourist stop lets it go, let lets the whole place rot and become like the third circle of hell? Who would do that? How does Karen Bass and who's the jackass who's the councilman for that district? How do you let this happen? And then everybody I gave it a makeover like 10 years ago to try to spruce it up a bit, but it's still too many homeless people. It's too grimy. They don't, nobody cares. Nobody and there's all sorts of vendors, you know, the hot dog people are everywhere know, and the idiots selling their stupid little wares. And uh, it's, it's beneath third world. I'd say third world, but I don't want to insult third world because in the third world, you know, everybody's really poor. And so yeah. they have a difficult time. But, you know, Los Angeles should be able to do better than this. And look, it's a, it's an international laughing stock. This is in the Daily Mail. This is a, an international organization. Uh, right. that, 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 uh, and it's widespread. They looked at Google reviews um, and, and, and uh, uh, TikTok reviews and, and the stuff that the whole world can access. And, and, and it's unanimous. Most disgusting <laughs> tourist destination on the planet. Jesus. Karen Bass, good work. You should be proud yeah, of yourself. This was a list of the 15 hotspots around the world that were the least satisfactory to tourists. And even Disney's Magic Kingdom was in there. Uh, I'm making the list of the worst I'm, 15. I've read so much negative about um, the Disney uh, the Disney theme parks, like even uh, the one in, in, in Orlando. Yeah, and and somehow in all the commotion of the last few years, they've let the maintenance of the theme parks go to hell. That seems to be the consensus from a lot of people who visited. It's all over online in news stories, and I wonder what's the upside in doing that. We're going to talk to San Diego County Supervisor Jim Desmond after the news at three o'clock. He wants them to declare a humanitarian crisis over migration in the county. We'll find out why that's the. We hear a lot about Texas and Arizona. Well, What's going on with San Diego? They're getting big crowds in San Diego now. And also a big decision by the old Sandag. <laughs> the San Diego Association of Governments has announced that for now, they're giving up on the vehicle, uh, the vehicle miles travel tax. 
How about that? They're shelving it indefinitely. Huge win for the people there. Well, the, the communist that ran that organization, Hassan Akrada, is leaving. And he's taking his uh, communist uh, Soviet Union ideas with him. Is he going to latch on to another government uh, association somewhere? Do we know? Uh, I, don't, just, I don't know. But he should be going sh- back to a Putin. He should come with a warning label. He's a destructive communist who wants to destroy uh, American civilization. He's just like one of the worst bureaucrats I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Hassan, why don't you go fight in Ukraine? Yeah, right, exactly. Go ahead. <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> go charge the Ukrainians a mileage tax. See what they do. Uh, story, speaking of cars that I saw over the weekend that got my attention, it, it sort of brings all the worlds together in a perfect way for the people who believe that you should be traveling everywhere on a bicycle or walking or getting on the bus. It's the idea to get rid of the Marina Freeway and turn it into housing. I, now, if you're not familiar, the Marina Freeway is very small. Uh, they wanted to uh, build a freeway. <clears throat> that was going to uh, connect the Pacific Ocean to Northern Orange County. So we're talking about the area of Marina Del Rey. The, the Caltrans did build a, a three-mile stretch of the 90 freeway, which just goes from the 405 to the edge of Marina Del Rey. Uh, John, years ago when we did the road diet, mm-hmm. right? And we were over there in Vista Del Mar, remember that? And Culver yeah. Boulevard. And you can take Culver Boulevard, and you eventually end up, you take a right turn, you're on the I, 90 freeway, and it goes right to the 405, and it's all but three miles. I take the 90 freeway all the time we, because we oh, go to Marina Del Rey for, for, for bike riding and, and, and boating. Well, uh, if the bicycle people, the community activists have their way, it's going to be torn up and turned into homes and parks. Yeah, yeah, affordable housing, which is scams for politicians, uh, contractor friends. So, this guy's been I, you know, I, for the, years. Michael Schneider, chief executive, the founder of Streets for All. This is one of these chief, uh, bicycle Ciclavia uh, nuts. Chief executive, yeah. These, these bicycle advocates get government grant money. Our tax money goes to these bicycle ag- advocates who use it to agitate, to tear down freeways. So, they, 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 these guys are ridiculously evil. They, I, I, what was the word I saw the other day? Because all these groups have have a word for this, and it it's uh, I got to look it up. It, and it actually, for it, well, in, in other words, it's about going backwards. It's about okay. uh, it, it's like not retro or something. No, or? it's it's not like uh, where did I read it today? Anyway, it, it, it it's a word in other words. The, 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 it, if they're successful, we will live like we did a hundred years ago. It's reversing modern life. And part of that is destroying freeways, getting people to stop driving fossil fuel powered cars so the government can control the electric supply, how much we charge the car, which will control how much we can drive, where we can drive it. If you start tearing down freeways, it'll make it more difficult. There, there's, there's, there's an entire movement and there's many tentacles and in order to the get the Times calls it reimagining, reimagine public streets and highways so we can have more pedestrian friendly thoroughfares that's... and events that promote more walking and less driving. This could be the Goldilocks of converting freeways to green space, said Paul Haddad, author of Freeway Topia How Freeways Shape Los Angeles. This could be the sweet spot. What we're talking about is uh, 130 acres which could be turned into 4,000 residential units and some public parks. 
That's what they yeah, want to I do. Know, with that, the, it's to, it's with to the reverse. Freeway. It's to reverse civilization, is what it is. Even the story in the Times says nobody's clear what effect it would have on traffic if no, they took that they, freeway out. They don't want traffic. Their, 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 their ultimate goal is to get rid of all the cars. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not being hyperbolic. But that wouldn't happen. If they tore out the freeway, people would still have to come no, and go from that area to it, get to jobs and places. It's step, and they're not going to get on a bicycle. It's step one. Their idea, I was reading about this too, is the 15-minute city. Where yes, you I could, have heard Where you could walk city. or bike to everything you need to buy. Need to do, right. And, your and, job, and your, your job, stores. In 15 right. minutes. It would eliminate the need for all cars. And, and, and one of the ways to hasten it is, is, is to, first of all, is to make it difficult to power your car, right? So by right. banning fossil fuel cars and insisting on electric cars, even though there are hardly any charging stations and we don't have an electrical grid to support it, what's going to happen? People are going to turn to bicycles and start walking around. So they're going to demand that the cities be compressed into these 15-minute cities that you can, you can shop and work and live. Well, eventually when you scroll through the story, this group called Streets for All, this Michael Schneider, what do you know? They're going to apply for a federal grant to pursue the Marina right. Freeway project. There's the money, right? Yeah. And Give plus, us some money. We're going to explore turning it into a park. And they enrich themselves, and it's like a religious cult. You can't talk to them. They're completely unreasonable, completely irrational. But they want what, the, what, what, what they're doing is they have turned, they're using climate change as a, as, as something to whip people up emotionally, to frighten them, to bully them, to intimidate them, that they have to agree. What, you want to die? You want to kill the planet? Just like they did with COVID. You, ha you have to take the vaccine. What, you want to kill people? It's all about shaming people and, and coercing you into living the way they want you to live. It's really Hi. dangerous. Hey, you've been listening to The John and Ken Show. You can always hear us live on KFI AM 640, 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. every Monday through Friday. And, of course, anytime on demand on the iHeartRadio app. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts more Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? 
Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.